0: This is Father Aaron with another podcast. Happy Feast Day. Today is the solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord, the day when we commemorate the visiting of the Magi to our Lord in Bethlehem. Today's feast is also known in the Eastern Church as the Feast of the Theophany, since on this day our Lord is first revealed to the nations as the Son of God and King of Kings. In my homily on this feast, I make a comparison between the way Christ presents himself to the Magi in Bethlehem and how he presents himself personally to each of us in the Holy Eucharist. Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and have come to do him homage. Recently, I've been reading a biography of Saint John Vianney. He is, as some of you may know, the patron saint of parish priest. Born in France in 1786. Vianney was raised in a time when Catholicism was in complete turmoil under the weight of the grave political landscape of 18th century France. For much of his childhood, Saint Jean's family lacked access to faithful priests, as most of the priests of their diocese, including his own pastor, had sworn a schismatic oath against the authority of the Roman pontiff, and preached solely on political and social issues. Later, After true Catholicism was able to gain real traction once again in France, St. Jean sought priestly ordination, a quest which, suffice it to say, was grueling for him personally. And upon his ordination, he was assigned to a very small village, the village of Ars, which, as the author of his biography is quick to note, while small, was home to four taverns, and whose people always worked on Sunday and invested themselves in feasting and in parties. Now, considering all the issues surrounding his first assignment, the state of Christianity in France, his poor surroundings, the moral decay of the village of ours, St. Jean Vianney chose as his first priority as a pastor to restore the beauty of his parish church. His first consideration wasn't moral teaching, it wasn't visiting the sick or caring for the poor, all of these are good things, of course, but the first task he set out to do was to restore the beauty of the church building. Why? And this really struck me in my reading, Saint John even paid for a new altar out of his own pocket, often going without food for days in order to make ends meet. He painted the interior of the church himself. He was known in larger cities to always be going about in ragged clothing, carrying the most expensive and elegant items that he could purchase for his parish church. And of course, later on, he quickly moved to other important tasks. But what really stuck out to me was that of all the ways he could have tackled his situation in this parish, the path he chose was restoring the beauty of his church. Now when you consider the whole of his life, the reason he took this approach is obvious. In his own words, there is nothing so great as the Eucharist. If God had something more precious, he would have given it to us. Now the church building, of course, is the home. It's the temple of the Holy Eucharist. Within the church, Christ dwells in bodily form at every hour. Arabian kings and the gospel follow a distant star, They set out toward Bethlehem and seek the newborn king. And all along their question was, where is he? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. Now we have no need of a star today. The steeples of our churches are the stars for us, resting high over the spot where lives the king of kings. Or at least I say that we don't need a star per se. Catholics are raised to know what the Church teaches about the Eucharist. Though, admittedly, so many fail to truly grasp that mystery or to believe it. Instead, many Catholics are confused by the meager way that Christ presents himself to us. What is this bread that we receive? How are we to know that it is God? St. Thomas Aquinas liked to refer to the communion wafer as a veil. Our sense of sight is fooled by the veil of bread which hides the presence of Christ within the sacred host. Wouldn't it be easier, for instance, if God just made this truth plain to us? Wouldn't every Christian in the world flock to the Catholic Church if they could see with their eyes the miracle of the Eucharist, bread changing into the flesh of Jesus Christ? More than that, wouldn't everyone be so amazed by this miracle that they would all be turned to faith in Christ? Why didn't Christ leave us a more obvious sign? And to answer this, we should consider the story of the Magi. These wise men arrive in Bethlehem with their kingly gifts, with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what do they find? A royal court? A kingly throne? No, well, they found that in Herod's palace, not in Bethlehem. What they found was a little baby and his poor parents, the baby sleeping in a feeding trough, surrounded by animals. It's the most unlikely place to find a king, especially to find one who is the king of kings. And yet, despite this, when they saw him, they prostrated themselves and did him homage. Christ the Lord chose to reveal himself to animals, to shepherds, and to kings, not in the form of an awesome ruler, but in a helpless baby lying in a feeding trough. The feeding trough and the impoverished surroundings are a veil, hiding the truth of who that baby really is. But despite this veil, the wise men are still able to recognize him as a king. Why? Because they had a star. How are we to recognize God in the sacred host? We need a star, and of course the star for us is the church, it is the Holy Mass, it's how we worship. Two thousand years removed from the event of the birth of our Lord, men and women are still falling on their knees before bread. There is our star. Jesus Christ was found in Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? It means, in Hebrew, house of bread, or in Arabic, house of flesh. And there in the house of flesh in Bethlehem, the wise men found Jesus Christ in a feeding trough. We call it a manger. The word manger comes from the French word mange to eat. The Jesus Christ that the wise men found under the star presented himself from the start as the bread of life. He, and his wondrous presence in the Holy Eucharist, is the true gift to the world, the most precious gift that God could have given us. St. John Chrysostom, preaching to Christians in 5th century Greece, said, So many of you say to me, I should like to see his face, his garments, his shoes. But you do see him, you do touch him, you do eat him. He gives himself to you not only that you may see him, but also to be your food and your nourishment. I mentioned earlier that the church is our star. There's an old adage in the church, lex orandi, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. In other words, the way we pray, the way we worship, establishes and denotes for us the things we believe. The fact that we kneel at various moments of the Mass should tell us and hopefully encourage us to certain beliefs about what we think is happening in the Mass, about whom we believe to be present within the church building. In a similar way, the wise men, by their gifts, denoted for us that they found this child to be a king. Notice how those same gifts the church offers to the Holy Eucharist. Our chalices and ciboria, our monstrances, all of them are made of gold. Or at least when they're not, they're lined in the interior with gold. That's a requirement of church law. We offer incense, usually a similar mixture of frankincense and myrrh or other spices. All of this so that the church can denote for us that we are in the presence of a king, of the king of kings. And not only that, the church wishes us to be so moved by this in belief of the Eucharist so that we can make the Eucharist properly part of our spiritual lives, that is, the center of our spiritual lives. Now, we're blessed in our parish in Greenville to have all-day adoration available twice weekly in our chapel and weekly at the school. I wish more people could come adore the Lord. Perhaps we could change the times or make it more reasonable for people to approach it, but more and more people should approach our Lord in the Holy Sacrament. I am glad that at the school we have a number of good students who visit the chapel on Fridays for adoration, And already I'm trying to develop better ways to build up this practice at the school. On major feast days at our school, we also offer benediction after Holy Mass. We do so from time to time after Mass on Sunday here. Even the bishop mentioned this to our seminarians at the Christmas dinner recently, that they should encourage adoration and benediction in parishes. Jesus Christ is offering himself to us in his flesh, in the Holy Eucharist because he wants us in turn to give him our hearts. But we can't do that if our spiritual lives don't move much beyond our attendance in Sunday Mass. We need personal prayer. And if we're able, we should offer that prayer before the tabernacle. Now our church here in Greenville is open from 8 to 5 every day, and our adoration chapel is open whenever the office is open, so you should come and visit. Maybe some of you want to make a visit to the tabernacle in your parish, but you don't know what to do in that time. I've learned that some of my greatest time in prayer is spent simply sitting in the chapel and looking at the tabernacle. I can look at Christ, and he looks back at me. St. John Vianney gives up some good advice here, and so I'll let him have the final word. He says, we don't have to talk very much in order to pray well. We know that God is there in the holy tabernacle, so let us open our hearts to him. Let us rejoice in his presence. This is the best of prayers.
1: Three kings from Persian lands afar, to Jordan follow the pointing star, and this the quest of the travelers where the Must play the kings to Bethlehem make their way, and there in worship they bear.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. jacksonpriest with an S.com. Thank you, and God bless.